That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time wo- uh, listening, welcome. So glad you're here. If you've been listening for a while, man, so great to have you back. Appreciate all you guys out there tuning in today. Our guest today is Alex Bales, and I'm so excited to talk to Alex. We just had a good little pre-chat, little pre-prayer before we got going here. And Alex is going to share with us how to use your darkness as your greatest asset and how to re-optimize your lifestyle for success in sobriety. And he's got four tenets of health that we're going to talk about today as well. And a brief background, I'll let him dive into this a little more as we get going, but he's a personal trainer turned transformational life coach. Uh, He specializes in helping people overcome addiction uh, and of course, emotional trauma that we see with so many of us who struggle with addiction. Uh, And he's got a great mission. It's to help people effortlessly evolve to create a life that they love again, full of health and full of joy. And uh, pumped to have him on today. We're going to get to Alex in just a minute. First, check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, you can find resources there. You can find meetings. They got the Fourth Dimensioners daily 6 p.m. Pacific meeting on there. So that link is on there if you're looking for an online meeting. Uh, and then also you got how to navigate the first 90 days of sobriety digital course. Uh, and there's a lot more resources, some fun stuff on there, podcasts, all kinds of stuff if you want to check that out. And then be sure to follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Uh, and then last but not least, we have an awesome sober community on locals. It's kind of like Instagram meets Patreon. You can help support us there. And you can also be part of a growing sober community uh, that'll help you stay accountable. It'll also help you have some fun in the process because who wants to be sober and not have any fun, man? There's no fun in that. Uh, so I'd love to have you join right now. We got, I think we just marked over 200 members. So hop in there. You can download the locals app on any of the app stores, or you can go to that sober guy podcast.locals.com. Uh, Uh, And both those links are in the show notes, as well as everything we talk about today, anything that needs to be linked with regard to Alex or anything will be in the show notes. So it's easy for you uh, to find. So, uh, man, Alex, uh, you're out in Indiana, I believe Uh, we're going uh, sobriety talk today from California to Indiana, Indiana to California. It's really good to have you on the podcast, man. Welcome. Hell yeah, man. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so grateful. And, uh, you know, your podcast is it's touching so many lives and I just love what you're doing. So the fact that I have the opportunity to come on here and God's provided that for me um, and just the opportunity to speak with you, I, I'm so honored. It's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's It's been a grind some days, many ups and downs, and and that's why we, we just keep going, man. We keep trying to be of service, have some fun in the process, and I, I, I appreciate you saying that, man. I, I really do enjoy and love doing the podcast. So um, I, I'm going to jump into this first question here. Uh, I've kind of been teeing this one up lately, and uh, can you share something that you believe about being sober or getting sober that some people might disagree with? Yes, definitely. So here's my unconventional um, little bit here. So getting sober or being sober can actually actually be easy and fun if we allow it to be. It's all about giving ourselves permission to be authentic to who we are, to connect to our authentic self and allowing God to work in our lives. So I just think if we can do that and just trust, I think the process can be effortless, effortless and easy. Um, and that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to help people evolve. 
So, so good, man. My, my sponsor mentions often, he calls it effortless effort. And uh, it's taken a minute to kind of wrap my brain around that over the years. But I think it relates directly to what you're saying. When, when we're doing what we're supposed to do, doing the next right thing, uh, God will provide the rest, man. So good stuff, man. I like that. Um, a couple of the points we're going to discuss today, how to re-optimize your health once you're sober, uh, how to learn to love yourself again and fill the void in your heart. That's a good one. I know I've struggled with that many times. I'm just self-love and grace and that kind of stuff. And then I love this one. I can't wait to dive into it. How to use darkness as your greatest asset. Uh, And I think we'll dive into those here in just a little bit. First, I was hoping maybe you can give a little background about yourself, about your story and where that began for you, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm a 26 year old guy. I'm from Valparaiso, Indiana, which is about 45 minutes or so from Chicago. I'm right up on the lake. Um, And so, you know, as far as my story goes, I look back to when I was a kid and I was always like a super shy and sensitive kid, very intuitive, very empathic, uh, very loving and caring, but it kind of created problems for me growing up. So I can remember like as a kid, I would actually like cry when I would have to like get on the bus stop or I would have, I would cry before I would go to school. Um, Just like very anxious, um, didn't do well socially at a very young age. Um, I can remember being like sent to the school social worker and they thought I had like all kinds of different emotional issues. Mm. So growing up, that was always a little bit awkward. I never felt like I quite fit in. Um, That being said, like we found out at at a young age that I just happened to be very like athletically gifted. So I took to sports really well, uh, played basketball, baseball, and football, made it up through high school. Early on, I went to a real big high school that puts out a lot of really high-level athletes, um, a few that have even made it to the pros, and I was on varsity football as a freshman, so that was like a huge deal for for our school, Um, and I was like being looked at for for football uh, by Division I schools, being looked at um, for baseball as well, because that's what I spent my my summers doing, and that's what I did in the off-season from football, but as I went on, I there was a coach that I had to deal with and I actually grew up as a QB mm. um, and I switched over to defense because we actually had a, had a kid that was a great ahead of me. That was a very high level QB. Um, and, and this coach actually got fired three years after I graduated for being verbally and emotionally abusive to the athletes. So um, I was somebody that had to deal with this. He, he berated me um, and just really took advantage of me emotionally. And so I got to a point at the end of my junior year, I was about 17. Um, looking back, I was in full on apathy and depression. I didn't really understand it at the time because when we're like 17, 18 years old, we're super impressionable. Like yeah. <laughs> we're going through puberty. We don't know what the hell is going on. We don't know how to deal with what's going on. So I can remember like going to school and like feeling like detached from my body, like super wow. out of it. Um, just felt super detached from life. No meaning or purpose. My mental health got so bad. My parents didn't even let me play my senior year. Um, and the ironic thing was my junior year, this guy also got moved into the head coaching role as a baseball coach. Oh, so I'm gosh. dealing with this guy in, in those sports. And my performance got so bad that I ended up just taking um, a scholarship to a division three school here in Indiana. Um, they just gave me a bunch of academic money. So I was like, yeah, eh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> why not? Um, that was actually when I started drinking that, that summer. So the funny thing is I was the kid that was against drinking my whole life. I really? was like, that's bad. I was the goody good. Um, I was super, super religious growing up. I grew up in like a very traditional conservative Christian household. Um, Never drank in high school, so, really. Any, any 
I mean, not, not much or anything. No, I was yeah. always against it. I was like, this is bad. Like yeah. you guys shouldn't be doing this. Um, and so that, that summer I, I started, I started drinking and I was just going on these, like these benders, um, looking back, like, it's funny. I, I had no idea at the time, but I just thought like you, we just, when we drank, like you just drank to get drunk. Like I just thought that was the thing, you know? So I would yeah. just like, I remember like my first time drinking, I took like a couple sips and then I just looked at the bottle of vodka and I just like, just wow. drank the whole thing and like woke up the next day and like had, had alcohol poisoning and it, yeah, it was bad. But uh, anyways, yeah. So go through the summer. Didn't really want to go away to play college baseball, but went anyway. So two weeks in, I get what's called Epstein-Barr virus, which is like an extreme form of mono. Mm. Um, and what would happen is my throat would almost swell shut. So I would come home, I'd drive home on the weekends, and the doctors would give me antibiotics, and it would get better. As soon as I ceased taking them, it would come back. So basically, to make a long story short, um, it had to run its course. They took my tonsils out. I lost 50 pounds because um, I oh. wasn't eating. And it turned into like chronic fatigue syndrome for about a year and a half. So I transfer home and then I um, have some friends that weren't playing sports anymore, but that I played with in high school. Um, and they were like, hey, dude, they're like, we've been dabbling with testosterone and steroids and anabolics. Like, why don't you give it a shot? Hmm. And I was like, fuck it. I don't have anything else going <laughs> for me. Uh, I'm like this insecure, like um, kind of not super masculine guy, which I'm, I'm comfortable with now, but I wasn't comfortable with it then. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like anybody, you know, I was like, well, I'll just do this for 10 weeks, which turned into three Sign years. Up. Wow. Um, Dang. yeah. And so the crazy thing is like, um, I'm already like a pretty big, strong athletic guy to start with, but like, I, I really never looked that good because I was partying all the time anyways. So I was only wow. hitting the gym like three days a week. I just didn't want to cease taking the, like the testosterone and the antibiotics because I felt so damn good. And it actually kept me healthier longer than, and able to party longer than I would have wow. had I not been on so you were, it because so you my were system just, wasn't high gear. Well, you were just going to maintain in other words, basically just to maintain that, that lifestyle or so just enough so you could keep it going. It wasn't more of an Correct. intensive uh, workout. Wow. That's, that's, that's a lot, man. Wow. Yeah. So then at this point um, I get into a relationship with a girl I reconnected with um, the relationship turned out to be very verbally abusive, uh, both on my end and hers. I take full responsibility for my, for my role in it. Um, also her parents were, were very involved. I, I left home at this point. I went and lived with them. Um, I kind of started to have like an identity crisis th at this point because her dad's a, a very high level executive. And he was like, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to give you like this job. Um, she's going to stay at home and, and take care of the kids. Um, and this is your lifestyle. Like we're going to plan it out for you. And so I started to have this like crisis where I was like, is this the life I really want to live? Um, and I was like, I don't want to just be handed everything. And the, like I said, the relationship had gone verbally abusive at that point, uh, very emotionally abusive, um, and even physically abusive, not so much my, my end towards them, but like the mother was, was, would get physical. So oh, wow. Um, I ended up leaving that relationship and I, I head home and then this is where my substance abuse gets pretty radical. So like, um, I was always super, super functional. I, I, what I would do is I had a strategy. Like I would, I would use painkillers like hydrocodone for a while. And then I would 
run, when I would run out or the dealer would cut me off, I just moved to the next one. So I would never get like addicted to any one substance, mm-hmm. but I was always high or drunk. So like I'd make deals with myself. Like I'd go through a spurt of painkillers and then I would go through a spurt of like Vivans and Adderall or whatever I could get my hands on. And then I would make deals with myself. Like I'd be like, okay, if you can get through work today, you can have two or three bottles of wine when you get home tonight. Like that was the compromise I made with myself, (laughs) but I I always kept it in line just enough to function. So at this point I'm using activity to fill the void. So I'm working as a high level supervisor at a, at a global company. Um, during the night I'm training jujitsu during the day I'm working out, uh, and I'm going to school full time, uh, and partying and using every single day. It's a full plate. Uh, Eventually I just, I run myself completely into the ground, uh, wake up one day, completely detached from my body, stand up, fall back on my bed. I'm like super sick and ill. Um, and at that point I pretty much quit everything besides substance use and the job that was paying the bills. So I would go to work all night long. I would come home. I would drink three bottles of wine, a whole bottle of NyQuil so that I would sleep all day long. And then I would use, um, either amphetamines or Coke to get me through the night. Um, and so I, I start to move into this really suicidal depression and I had always struggled with apathy and depression, but, um, at this point I start to plan how to kill myself. And, um, you know, in my darkest moment, when I was going to go through with it, I used to get down on my hands and knees and I used to say, God, just take this away from me. Like, mm-hmm. just, just come into my life. I'm willing to do whatever you got for me. I'll, I'll do it. I, I give in. And in my darkest moment when I was going to do it, I, I can't really um, explain it, but it was like a voice came over me and a feeling came over me. And it was like, this is going to be the a voice said to me, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Mm. Um, you have the opportunity to see who you are and who you're not right now. Wow. And you have the opportunity to recreate yourself in a way um, that's going to be of, of service to other people that that's going to make a difference. You can recreate yourself in any way that you desire moving forward, because now you've learned what you need to learn to move forward in your life. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. Like that, that's a, that's a very powerful, uh, I would call it a spiritual awakening in that moment um, that, you know, something higher comes down and and literally speaks to you. You can feel it. You can hear it. Um, Such a, such a powerful story, man. Thanks for being so open about all that too, man. It's, you had a busy, you had a busy, uh, a busy plate there at one point. I know how hard it is just to keep up and try to like stay intoxicated, let alone do all the other things, train jujitsu work. uh, I mean, put them all together together and it's it's really a, a recipe for uh for disaster and i want to say too man uh with um you know the you know the thoughts of suicide the the planning of it that kind of stuff obviously so glad we're here today and that you didn't go through with that and i also just want to say to anyone out there listening man like there's always hope and there is always um, you know, there, there is always something better on the other side when we don't quit. Uh, and if you or a loved one is struggling or you're thinking about that, um, the national suicide prevention lifeline, it's a, it's a phone number 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Reach out. If, if you don't have anyone else, you have that lifeline there, but reach, you know, you can hit us up, like hit anyone up that, that you have a contact with, uh, if, if that comes down to it, because there's always much more things to look forward to and hope even when it feels hopeless. So, um, thank you, man, so much for sharing that, that part of your story. So what, after that awakening happens, um, you know, what, what, what happens from there? You know, what's funny is everything just kind of like 
fell into place. So I have, I had mentors and friends um, that had told me before that they were alcoholics. Mm. And so, um, you know, my parents said that I had to leave and I was like this, just this big mess. Um, and I reached out to one of them and he was like, Hey, why don't we just like hit up a meeting? And he was like, super cool. He was like, Hey, yeah. like, thanks for getting in touch. Like it was no big deal to him. <laughs> and so like, he yeah. took me to my first meeting and I remember thinking like, it was right down the road from the bar that I would go to sometimes. And I remember really? like being like, well, I'm going to go to this meeting and then I'm going to walk straight down to the bar when I'm done. <laughs> And I'll head over there afterward. And I remember like, they were like, at the end of the meeting, they were like, keep coming back. And I remember I was like, first I was like, fuck that. Like, this is (laughs) never weird. And everybody (laughs) wanted to talk to me and I felt like super uncomfortable. Um, And they were all like, congratulations. Like, this is amazing. And I'm like, been sober for like two days, but okay. (laughs) No, I won't give you my phone number, weirdo. Get away from me. I know. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So then... I just started, I, you know, I think we, a lot of times we look back on our lives when we, when we start to, to develop a spiritual relationship and you're like, you know, how did I get here? Yeah. So for me, it's like, I look back and I'm like, I'm not really sure what I did because I just was guided the whole time. Like, yeah. I just started trying things. Like I, one of the things I did was I like, I made amends with my, with my family and um, they allowed me to quit my full-time job and actually let me like live at home for six months and go back to school full-time and just recover. Wow. And they just like gave me the chance to like, they forgave me and they gave me the chance to like rebuild myself. And I started trying different things and I started to, to journal. And I, I used to sit in front of the, the window in my house and like look outside and just, I started to get into like this really contemplative mindset. Like I made this huge shift and I, I kept having these awakenings where it'd be like, what if I could create a life I love? Like, who do I want to be? Um, what would I do without the fear in my life? Like, how would I move forward if if I just had no worries? Um, and I just, I've had all these spiritual awakenings and I just, I, I've done the work and I keep moving forward. I know that's kind of a ballpark answer, but. Um, oh, that's good. I've just, I've, I've just kept moving forward with it. And I've relapsed. Um, I relapsed twice after after eight months. But after that second time, something changed in me. And, you know, I love, I absolutely love AA. And I I think that anybody who's struggling with addiction or wants to get sober should absolutely go to AA. So AA kept me sober for eight months twice. But what's really kept me sober this last time in the long term is just really continually, continuously working on myself. Mm. Um, You know, I, Every single day I, I do self-care and I, I talk to God and I, I meditate and I exercise and I've built like this, this holistic practice around my life. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really just helped to help me to feel optimized and, and connected. Yeah. Um, so, so and, and that's what's most important. Well, and, and, and you're showing up and you're doing the work. And I think that's, I mean, that's kind of what you're talking about because it's not like we just don't quit substances and then all of a sudden like life is like, you know, freaking rainbows and, and, you know, unicorns or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, there's, there's a lot of work to be done and that's why not everybody stays sober because it's hard some days to put that, put that work in. Um, you know, and I, I hear that from so many different dudes, uh, people that I know. And then people that I meet is like, they've gone through those slips or relapses and I'm, I'm actually working on, um, on something myself to, to help people with that. Um, what was it for you, 
um, that in those two eight month things, was there anything specific that, uh, that, that led to this, to the relapse? And then, um, what, what did you learn from that, that it's different this time? Sure. Um, I, I stopped going to AA and I stopped doing the work. Ah. Um, and then actually a lot of it was built around, around relationships. So most of my trauma, like I talked about was all relational trauma. Mm. So a lot of times it was people being like, Hey, come out with us. Like, and then it was ironically, like it was people that would make comments. Like they would talk about people who had like drinking problems in their lives mm. or substance abuse problems. And they were like judging those people. Yeah. And I didn't want them to judge me. Yeah. So like I would go out with them and I would be sitting there and be like, no, I don't really drink. Like, but I didn't want to like tell them the honest truth at that point. Yeah. Um, and so I would give in and I could go and have like a drink or two once one night just to prove to myself that, that I yeah. could do it. But the next day, I mean, it, it, it it's like I a snowball. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's what happened twice. And I'll be honest, it, a lot of it was me chasing tail at the time too. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Women, dude. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate your transparency. And that's a big one for a lot of dudes out there too. And I'm sure it's a, it goes both ways. I'm sure that's a big one for, for the ladies out there in certain circumstances too. You know, um, you, you want companionship, love, loneliness, all that kind of stuff kind of plays into that. And that environment can be a dangerous spot to be in, um, you know, easily lead, lead back to it. Um, yeah, I just have one thing to add yeah. you know, that's super important. Um, you know, the other thing too, that caused me to relapse is I was never really honest about the first step. And it's because I thought that just because I didn't go to rehab or because maybe my story wasn't quite as extreme as some other people's, um, as far as maybe like being arrested or, you know, yeah. something of that nature. Like I thought that maybe I just had like a drinking problem instead, like, no, you can be an alcoholic and an addict regardless of the circumstances in your life. And it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that. Like yeah. um, just because you don't go to rehab or, or go to a, and live in a, like a halfway house or anything like that doesn't mean that you're, that you're not. So I think yeah. it was just about me finding my place in the community as well. I think that's such a great point, man. And I was in a, in a very similar boat with you. And what happens is, is it makes it very easy to justify your behavior. Well, I never got a DUI, you know, my other buddy, he said four, that's not me. Or, you know, I, I didn't get arrested or go to prison or I didn't lose my job or lose my, you know, all those things. And so we, 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 makes it very easy to justify what we're doing by, you know, throwing it off on, on something else. So really, really good point to bring up. Um, let's, uh, let's dive into, to some, uh, some of these points that we're going to hit on today and, uh, have a couple other questions for you. Um, maybe, maybe we'll start with this one. You talked about kind of, uh, or we talked about when you had your spiritual awakening and a lot of people, um, a lot of people come to that point and then they go, well, what, what do I do now? Like, where do I go now? Like, what do we do when we have that kind of aha moment? I hate referring it to it like that, but like, or the what now moment when we first get sober, like what, what would you say to that? Mm, okay. Yeah. So the first thing I would do is I would say, get help. Um, mm. this is going to be a totally new experience in your life. Uh, it's not something that most people can navigate on their own. Um, so I think going in and getting help, whether it be a coach, like um, someone like myself or, or like a certified sobriety coach or getting to an, uh, a meeting, which I think is your best bet when you're first starting out. Um, from there, the biggest thing is a mindset shift. And I think it's giving yourself permission for the first time in a long time to be authentic about who you are and where you want to be. Yeah. Um, and then just surrendering to that, like, you know, and this may be a little off topic, but 
what I realized in my darkest moment, which led to an aha, aha moment was I was, I was suicidal. I was going to kill myself. Right. Mm. But death is actually our greatest asset. The reason for that is death provides meaning for our life. You can die to who you were 10 or 15 minutes ago and become somebody else. Um, death is a good thing. Death creates opportunity for us to become um, the next thing that we want to be or move into the next phase of our life. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy, man. Like in our in our culture, um, we we don't talk about death a lot. It's this big scary thing, and uh, we, and, it, and you know, and it can be. I get it. Like I understand why we can perceive death like that. Like nobody wants to die. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to dwell on it. But at the same time. Um, you know, I try to put that in perspective too. some days, like, man, what if this was like my last day here? Like, would I be satisfied with the life that I've been living? Would I be satisfied with, you know, my, my, my duties as a father, as a husband, as a friend, like what, where would I be at? And, and if I knew that I would probably say, well, no, I'd probably do things a little bit different. I don't want to have those regrets like later on. So it's such a good point when, we, when, we, when we're able to kind of look at that from a non-fear perspective and just from a reality perspective, like, hey, we're all going to kick the bucket one day, man. Let's live it to the fullest, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that, I mean, that, that almost leads into this next question. I feel like, like, how do we use darkness as your greatest asset when we're trying to, you know, create that new life, that new Alex, that new Shane in this new life that we're trying to pursue? Sure. So like one of my insights is that life is like this huge paradox. Cause like you can't have light without dark. You can't have meaning and purpose without some pain and some struggle. Mm -hmm. So you go back and, and what you'll realize is that everything comes into our life and it will continue to, to show up in your life until you learn the lessons that you need to learn. So any type of pain or struggle that shows up in our life, it's really creating an opportunity for you to learn a less, uh, your lessons so that you can move into the next spiritual phase of your life. So just being aware of that. And then you've got to, you've got to do the damn work. Like you've yeah. got to go back. Um, I used to, I had a lot of social anxiety and relational anxiety. I used to force myself to go out and talk to women, to go out and talk to people. Um, I put myself as a, now I have a full-time personal training business. I put myself in a position where I had to talk to people. Mm. Like you're going to have to use that darkness as a catalyst for growth. Um, and it's going to suck at times. It's going to be uncomfortable. But again, give yourself permission to embrace that, that feeling. Give yourself permission to embrace that discomfort because it's just going to provide you with an opportunity to learn and grow. Um, the greater the darkness, the more opportunity you have to triumph. So when you can make that mindset shift, um, I think that that's really powerful and it's been powerful yeah. for me. Yeah, that's good. So folks listening, we're, we're talking about the struggle and their strength in the struggle and their strength and, um, there's good stuff that can come. It doesn't seem like it at the time. It seems like, oh my God, this fucking sucks. But at the same yeah. time, if you can step back and like you said, Alex, like use that as a mind, a mind shift, like there's a lesson to be learned and it's going to make you stronger when you come out on the other side, if you hang on and do the work and you can get through it, which you can, because Alex mm -hmm. got through it. I got through it. My, you know, I have so many friends and family that have gotten through it. You can get through it too. You just got to hang on. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the four tenets of health, man. Like what, what does that look like? How'd you come up with it and uh, break it down for us? Yeah, sure. And you know what? Ironically, I, I've shifted it to five. So what I used to do is I used to put spiritual and relationships together, mm -hmm. um, but I actually just separated it into five. So your five most important things are going to be, do you get enough rest? Um, are you providing your body with the right nutrition or fuel? 
Do you get the right amount of movement or the proper amount of exercise? Do you have a spiritual practice that leaves you feeling connected? And do you have the relationships in your life that cultivate um, a, a healthy way of being? Hmm. Um, and, and so from there, you know, that's part of my coaching process. So I know I, I kind of got caught up talking about myself a little bit in the, in the beginning of my story, but um, I built this personal training business and now I'm moving into doing life coaching online for people. So this is part of my process. So like at the top, the most important thing we need to identify is um, what is your goal or what is your dream? Because if you don't have a goal or a dream, there's no purpose yeah. or, or meaning to anything. So from there, I almost look at it like a tree, like there's five branches that come down. You've got rest, nutrition, movement, a spiritual practice and relationships. Um, from there, you go back and you kind of have to toy with it over time. And certain people need um, maybe one or two things more than others. Um, but you just focus on making like slow behavior changes over time. And you don't want to give yourself more than you can handle. So you might be like, okay, we're getting six hours of sleep. How can I get it to seven over mm -hmm. the next month? Um, I'm not getting any micro micronutrients whatsoever in my diet. Okay, I'm going to eat a vegetable at every single meal for the next four weeks. And like you just slowly compound things over time. Um, it's not it's not sexy. Uh, it's not like the, the immediate answer that a lot of people want, but that's how behavior change works. You got to chip away at it over time. Yeah. But then you think like, you know, 12, 18 months from now, it's you've got a whole new you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It is. And it's not, that's a great way to put it. It's not sexy. I say that sometimes too. Like people ask me a question. I'm like, well, you know, you go to a meeting, you know, start reading some literature, start having conversations. Like there's not really this magical answer that just flips the switch. And we all, you know, we're, we're a lot of us are taught that, or we think that, that it's this immediate gratification. So that's why a lot of us turn to substances to deal with life, <laughs> but man, you know, and I'm, I'm learning that too in diet exercise. I'm about to turn 40 in July. Like you got to chip away at stuff and just a little bit at a little a little bit each day have some patience and just keep showing up man that's that's some good advice um all right let's talk about um overcoming addiction getting sober um so many of us who have dealt with this have experienced trauma you know in um maybe our childhoods maybe our teenage years um you know you talk about using that as an advantage in life like how how do we do that yeah. So, okay. When I, when I had that coach, like that's what, that's what encouraged me to want to become a coach for people, mm. um, was just the fact that he was so emotionally and, and verbally abusive towards me. It made me want to come full circle and make a difference in people's lives. Um, I've had a lot of, a lot of traumatic relationships that have been verbally and emotionally abusive with women as well. Mm. Um, I had to go back and I had to um, like heal my misconceptions about relationships in general. Yeah. Like I had to learn that, that love isn't control. Um, love is freedom and just things like that. So, you know, going back and, and learning those lessons is, is the way you move forward. And, and I think just surrendering to that. I had to take a quick note of that one. That was good. Love isn't control. Love is freedom. I, I really like that, man. And it's uh, it even takes a minute to kind of set in. I'll probably have to sit back and, and think about that one a little bit more. But yeah, it's good good stuff. Um, what's uh, what, what's what's next for you, man? Like you're, um, you know, you're you're building up a coaching business. Um, you know, how how's that going for you? Are you loving it? Obviously, and you know what? The other thing too, real quick. So I don't. I I want to make sure I don't forget this. I love the fact that you point that out too about your old coach. Um, and, and I can relate to that in the form, 
you know, a lot of the time our parents, they do the best they can, but how many of us have set out there, I'm never going to be like my dad, or I'm never going to be like my mom when I'm never going to do this, you know? And what happens is, is when we, when we get into an, a, a, a place where we start to learn about ourselves and we have an opportunity to serve others and help others. Now you're in a spot where you're able to do coaching the right way. Obviously that old asshole taught you the not you know the the way to not do it and now you have this awesome opportunity to help other people do it the right way what are some of the um the the core things that you focus on when you work with somebody yeah i think it's all about well the first thing i do is you know my whole coaching practice is, is helping people effortlessly evolve specifically either um I, I prefer to work with people who are already sober like 60 to 90 days and then take their life to the next level yeah. or evolve from emotional trauma so the first thing i do is we we figure out what's the pain point um and then we we figure out how can we turn that pain into purpose um and from there we just we keep it simple we find the steps that are going to move you forward in the direction of your dreams that being said, we also use my five tenets of health because if you don't take care of yourself in the first place, you can't move forward with your dream. Um, yourself and your mental health comes first. Um, and from there, what, I, what I'm really good at is I'm really just good at navigating people's lives and just giving, giving them advice as they go and teaching them to live life on life's terms. And that's really how you know God's plan for your life. Um, you know, I think God speaks to us in, in synchronicity. So it's like, we, we go we go about with the intention of moving forward with our dream, but sometimes we get um, like red lights or the door shut on us right in front of us. Yeah. And, and so many people, they, they like try and fight that. Um, but I think the best thing we can do, and I, I coach all my clients on this, is, is like step back and like look for what doors are opening. Um, and it might not always make sense. Like don't be attached to how things manifest in your life. Yeah. Um, you might, you might take a job that you didn't initially want, but you might meet somebody at that job who can conduct you to the right person at the right place at the right time that's going to set you up in the right situation. So, um, you know, my coaching practice is really all about helping people effortlessly evolve and, and really just bringing their dreams into reality because I think we all have a gift. God's put each of us here on planet Earth for a reason. Yeah, um, and, and I think the world would be a better place if everyone was just authentic and honest and just truly shared who they were at, at their heart. Yeah, that's that's good, man. And like just finding your purpose. Like, I don't know how many times I used to ask myself that before I got sober, like, why the hell am I here? Like, what am I doing here? And it, it wasn't until I was able to unnumb myself and start to look at things, um, reality versus my perception of reality, um, that stuff started to make a little bit of sense. And then boom, it was like, you know, doors start opening. I love that too. Like we never know, like we, we, don't, we don't set expectations, but we just try to do the yeah. next right thing. And I can't tell you how many times, like one thing has led to another thing to another thing. But had I just blocked that out because it wasn't the right thing at the time, like I never would have had that opportunity, man. So such a good point. Um, what about meditation and prayer, man? How much of that is uh, a, a part of your own practice uh, with your own recovery? And then how much of that do you use uh, when you're coaching clients too? Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually number one. So if I had to rank them in order, my five tenants in order, I'd put spiritual number one. Mm. If you don't have a spiritual connection, nothing else matters. Mm. Um, meditation and prayer. So uh, I use both. I actually meditate for a, a full hour every single day. Um, wow. It's been one of the most powerful things that I, I do. 
Um, and I don't have clients meditate for an hour right off the bat. We start with like three, four, five minutes. Yeah. Um, the powerful thing about meditation is that when I sit there for an hour, I've got to sit through all the aches and pains and bullshit that's going on in my mind. And through all the hours of meditation, um, I've just realized that I'm not bound by the chains of my physical reality. Mm -hmm. um, I'm operating on a, on, a, on a spiritual plane from a higher connection with a God that loves me. So wow. when I can teach people how to how to operate from that place through meditation, I think that that's really powerful. Typically, what I would do with my clients is I would give them like a guided meditation at first. And I, that's something I do. I, I send them weekly meditations. Yeah. Um, usually it's five to 10 minutes, usually starting out with some breathing, something to get them centered and focused. And then whatever they're struggling with in their life, um, we'll go and we will um, usually do something around that. So like if they are... Um, you know, feeling anxious. I might be like, okay, in your mind, go to a time and a place in your life when in the past, when you felt anxious, and then they'll do that. And then I'll say, okay. And then now imagine if you keep living like that, where that's going to take your life. And I let them connect with that. And then I'll say, okay, now go to a future reality in your mind where you no longer feel this emotion mm. and you're feeling what you want to feel. And then I say, okay, feel it now in your body, in the present moment. And so it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of tracking all over the place, but it's like a powerful tool. You can do stuff like that so that you can connect with who you want to be. Um, and then I, I think that the most powerful thing, I actually think prayer is, has become more powerful for me than, than meditation in and of itself, because I love the surrender of prayer. It, it, there's some, there's some serious humility and just saying like, God, I, don't have all the answers. We live in a we live in the woke day and age where everyone wants to be their own god. It's yeah. not sexy to think that God's given us right and wrong, or that um, you know we we're completely in control of our lives. Like no, like uh, the greatest gift I've ever been given is, and the greatest tool I have is to just surrender and say, God, um, give me what's in the highest good. Oh, that's just good. just show me the path. Um, I, and I, I'll say to God all the time and I teach my clients like, God, I know what I want for my life, but that might not be what's best for me. So just give me the strength, the courage and the faith to trust you that you know what's best for me. That's good. And and it, it totally is a release when we're able to do that because I, you know, a lot of the time we feel like the, the weight of the world is on our shoulders and we got to control everything and uh, we don't. You know, I can, I can think back so many times when I've been able to just say, God, just, I can't, you know, I can't take it. Like, and it, the, I could literally feel, you know, that weight just being lifted when we're able, you said that the key word there, surrender. I love that. I love that word. And, uh, not always an easy thing to do, especially when we think we got it all figured out. And one of the best things is just say, I don't know. <laughs> it's like my three favorite words. Sometimes I don't know, you know, but Hey, I'll, yeah. find, I'll find out for you if you need, you know, if it's a question, something, I don't know. I'm not going to bullshit yeah. my way through it though. And try to act like I have all the answers to everything because you know, that's what I used to do. I don't need to do that crap anymore, man. Absolutely. The ego always tries to grasp onto something physical and tangible that it can hold yeah. and control. Yeah. Um, and I, I struggle with it so bad, like everybody does. But yeah. yeah, God's got a plan for each of us. And I think we're all being guided. And how, how old that's, are you? That's special. How do you say you're 26? I'll be 27 in a month. Oh, man, dude, I wish I had the, the, um, uh, you know, tenacity, the, the openness, the, 
uh, willingness, the surrender, all that stuff, man, when I was 26, good for you, man. Like I'm super proud of you, bro. And just like, it's really cool to see, um, you know, somebody in their mid twenties who is just, who, who's getting it and who continues to learn, who's staying open. Um, you know, you said it yourself. I don't, I don't need to have all the answers. I'm continuing just to do my best and just keep learning, man. And that's, that's what it's about, dude. So great, great stuff on that. Um, the other thing too, I want to say meditations. I have to connect you with my sponsor, man, but buddy C man, he's been on the podcast a bunch of times. He's a phenomenal dude. And, uh, he has an app called sober meditations that he created about two years ago, I think. And it's got all kinds of meditations on there. Five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute. Uh, and I don't know he's, he's a great dude. I, I just, it, you were kind of mentioning a lot of the same stuff that him and I talk about sometimes. So, um, have to do that someday. Um, yeah. Any, uh, any, anything we miss, man, what do you, uh, you know, I have, I have a couple, couple more, but I want to kind of open it up to you. Is there anything you want to hit on or, or touch on or thing that's coming to mind before we kind of start landing the plane today? Uh, yeah, I think for me, I just, again, would like to like to mention my, my life coaching practice. You know, I have so many years of, of coaching experience and this is, this is my, this is my life's work. Yeah. Um, you know, I always tell people like you can lose your, you can lose your job, your body, your your family, you could lose everything, but, but nobody can take your relationship with God or your mental health away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really that's what my life coaching practice is all about. It's, it's all about me taking the skills and experiences that I've had, um, and just doing my best to share those with, with people so that, um, I can touch as, and help as many people as I can. That that's what I'm here to do. And if you want to connect with me, you can look me up on Facebook. Um, Alex Bales, B A L E S. Um, and I, I, even if you don't want to do some coaching with me, I would just absolutely love to hear with you and just talk with you. And um, even if you just connect with me and say, hey, heard you on the podcast, you know, I would be honestly so, so grateful. That's awesome, man. I, I love your authenticity, man. You can tell when someone's either authentic or they're just like, they're just not. <laughs> and uh, yeah. dude, I just, I appreciate you, man. It's been really cool to meet you and sit with you and chat and, and whatnot too. And we'll, we'll put uh, Alex's Facebook, of course, in the show notes. Uh, so that's an easy click for you guys out there. If you want to reach out, I encourage you to do so. He's a solid dude, man. We've had some good, good chatting even beforehand. So, um, and thanks so much for sharing, for being so open today about everything. Um, I guess that maybe the last question before we wrap up today if there's someone out there struggling right now um they, they just you know they're they're at their wits end um mm-hmm. not really sure what, where, where to turn to what to do man what, what advice could you give them alex sure um you know again give yourself permission that's i think that's even the first step before asking for help mm-hmm. giving yourself permission to be honest and authentic number two get help and don't wait um you know, things can spiral out of control and it takes more strength to ask for help than it does to not. Mm. Um, so putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, go to an AA meeting, call somebody, get the help you need, um, and allow somebody to love you until you can love yourself. Mm. So, you know, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing. Don't worry about what's to come or don't let yourself get too caught up in the future. Just take it one day at a time and, and, ask God to show you the path from there. And I, yeah. I promise you there's, if there's one thing I'm certain of, it's that God will provide. Amen to that, man. No future tripping either. I like that. That's, that's the one that always gets my ass in trouble. So, uh, Alex Bales, thank you so much, man, for coming on the podcast. Greatly appreciate it, sir. Yes. Thank you so much. Share the podcast with a friend. You can check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, connect with us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Get in the locals community as well that links in the show notes 
one more time, it's at Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash alex.bales.560. That link is in the show notes too if you want to reach out to Alex and say what's up. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys. I love you guys. Peace, love, and respect, and keep your blood clean. With your-